Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. Let's get started with you know who. You're looking at the freaking screen. It's Matt. How you doing, Matt? I'm O'Reilly. How are you, sir? Excellent. You know what? We've got a big topic today, so there's no time for uh, preamble and blather. Uh, let's just get right in. But before well, we actually, do, actually, be, no, no, no. We need some preamble and brother because you've changed the camera angle now, and I'm looking up at you, kind of like the way I imagined I might see you if I was looking up at you in an intimate situation, and it's really bothering me. You know, this is a problem. It's almost like you set it up. That is actually fit for the subject. Uh, that we're going to be talking about today um, because we're talking about homosexuality. Don't make it weird. <laughs> so. oh, I'm, I'm going to make it weird. Can I, can I just ask a point of clarification because yes. curious listeners are going to want to know this. Are you going to bring a David on me at the tail end of this sort of thing and put me in one of those situations where I'm going to have to start um, expounding in a very delicate manner involving t requiring tissues about some past event in my life? Well, no. I assume that you don't mind talking about your uh, homosexual event in college. I didn't go to college. Okay. Oh, yes, winner! <laughs> but just for tonight, I'm drinking a very special beer brewery. It's a brewery down near me here in the UK, and the brewery is called Buckham. Oh, my. Um, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna you leave do that. that I'll just pour a bit of Buckham in my glass while you carry on with the introduction. But, carry on. Buckham. 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 Yep, wow. there we go. Mm. I've got my glass full of Buckham just here. Here we go. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just show you. There you go. Look at that. Look at that gorgeous brown liquid there just sitting there waiting for me to take a mouthful of. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were saying? Hang on a minute. I, don't, I so, have no idea. I have no idea what I was saying. Um, oh, that was gorgeous. Tyler. I love myself a mouthful of Buckham. Tyler. I just, okay, I, I can't, I can't do this. Okay. Tyler being uh, from the board. Tyler, I falsely you know, accused Tyler of bringing this subject up on the board. Agitator. I was um, wrong. It was actually who, uh, Brian I. Uh, let's see, what's the, what's the phrase? We Apologies. Uh, non sequitur grenades. Uh, he dropped a non sequitur grenade on the board. Uh, this week regarding the Catholic Church was, I don't know, it wasn't Scotland, it was German. Uh, it was the Catholic Church in Germany. Well, and easy mistake to make. They're almost neighbors. They're, they're practically the same place, honestly. Yeah. Um, they, um, they have decided, uh, and I don't, I don't know where this is as far as official process or not, but they have decided, at least part of the official way, that homo excuse me, that homosexuality is okay. I, I don't, I don't think they consider it a sin anymore, but I'd, I'd have to reread the article uh, to well, see that they are, them. they are willing to go as far as bless gay marriage and give them full uh, blessing and communion uh, in the church and and all that. So, yes, uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, all right. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Not that particular thing, 
I thought, you know, in, um, in celebration of that, it might be a good idea to just take a look at what Christians are saying these days about uh, homosexuality and secondarily gay marriage. I've got two videos lined up. We may only get to one. But if we do only get to one, that other one might come up at some point. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Is it going to be like a bad beer that just keeps repeating on you? It, it is definitely a bad beer, I'll tell you that. Uh, here we go. And in a new development around matters LGBT, oh, no. the Supreme That's Court the of Kenya has making that. I can't see anything either. You know, so. okay to question okay. your gender identity me, and like, which essentially is, I'm a professional people. Don't worry about know, this. Um, they won't so, notice a thing. I wouldn't worry no, about it. No, no. Um, so, uh, also hey, one Lynn, one other thing. Uh, if you are not listening with headphones, or if you're listening with only one headphone in your ear, you're going to need to put both earbuds in your ear. Because uh, it's not me. Uh, this particular video, the lady who did this, her voice is only in one ear. So, uh, just a warning there. Here we go again. Reflections. Today we have, oof, I told you this channel was going to be bold, right? It was going to be bold. So this is not easy for me. And it's not easy for a lot of Christians because we might personally have somebody we love dear and near to our hearts that struggles with this. And we don't want to say anything because the world tells them that it's who they are and it's not a sin and well it's just our religious opinion but of course we know as christians that we are not this is not a matter of opinion okay um that's as far as i can let it go right now without interrupting so um i question this um it's not easy uh to talk about the thing why isn't it easy to talk about? Uh, if you believe that you are certain what God wants, it should be easy to talk about. Shouldn't it? I mean, what are you afraid of? What's, what's the hesitancy if you, are, if you are certain that you have the right of God's word on this and you care about pleasing God more than you care about pleasing people. And so to, to even start off by saying it's a very difficult thing to talk about suggests to me that this is a Christian who cares more about pleasing people than God. If I'm, if I'm listening to this as a right-wing fundamentalist uh, Bible crazy wacko, which by the way, she is, <laughs> then, you, then there is actually um, a little bit of problem as we start off. You're not crazy enough. You're not right-wing enough. You're not wacko enough if you're saying that a clear teaching of God is not easy to talk about. Anything there, Matt, before we get uh, going? No, no. Keep going. You covered that one nicely. Okay. I'm because just, uh, if it was up. up to us, we'd be like, yeah, you know, we love you. It's totally fine. So we have to ground ourselves in truth. Now, today I'm going to be reacting to he calls himself a pastor. 
His name is Brandon Robertson, um, and he has a TikTok ministry. I don't know if he does anything outside of TikTok. I'm sure he does, but um, he is a progressive pastor, and he has a video that there, I just stop there. This is some. This is this is a theme that I'm starting to notice, and it comes from the likes of Alyssa Childers as well. But the the inflection in her voice when she said "progressive," it was almost mm. like it hurt her soul to call somebody a progressive Christian. You know, it's it's like uh, asking a, a two year old to ask for broccoli. You know, the the way that they're body shivers with fear at the mere thought of uttering the word broccoli you know they would rather expunge that from their psyche and she has is giving exactly the same opinion impression when she's saying progressive you know it feels like she's saying this while standing on a bed of nails or something i wonder which is harder for her um talking about the subject of homosexuality or acknowledging a progressive tiktok pastor I had to react to, even though I find this topic to be just so, it's so difficult because people mistake you speaking truth in love as you being hateful. Um, but I want to show you. Okay. I, okay. All right. Um, we could spend a lot of time on, on, on this. <laughs> I want to cry already. We're dying. <laughs> so it's, it does get worse. Um, is it, hate speech for a Christian to speak their truth about the homosexual's sinful condition. Let me just, let me just go out on a limb here and say, yes, it is. And I, and I, I've been around the, the houses on this one. That's a British saying, right? Been around, around yeah. the houses. I've been around the houses on this one with uh, Christians, and I've been on both sides of this. And today, you know, ask me tomorrow and it might be different. Today, I think it is still hate speech, and here is why. You have made a choice about who you're going to love, about who you're going to care about. And for the Christian, this is a very serious choice and a very clear dividing line. You either love humanity and their opinions and their feelings, or you love God and his opinions and his feelings. Uh, and as one Bible passage put it, you must love the one and hate the other uh, when it's speaking of God and money. Now, I think that's terrible logic. Uh, no reason that you should hate either one. But this is how Christians think. And so, for her, she sides with God. This is the God who tells parents to be the first to pick up the stone and bash your child's head in if, you're, if your child comes to you with suggestions about another God. It is absolutely hate. You must love God enough to hate your child enough to kill him. And so what the Christian is doing here is they have made a decision. They have decided to love God and spew venom on homosexuals. It is, in fact, hate speech, 
even though they don't see it that way. If we get to the second video, that's, this comes up again. But um, I just thought that I would put that out there. Matt, feel free to disagree, but just know that I am drinking tea again in your honor. God, you're drinking the wrong drink, but at least it's brown. <clears throat> I agree with you, so I won't follow up with um, what you said. However, she's got this whole spiel of, I'm saying this in love, but you might feel it as, as hate, but you're wrong. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is what Christianity does. You read the Bible, it is absolutely jam-packed full of God saying, you do it my way or you hate me. And so when the Christian says to somebody else, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it my way, but I'm only saying it out of love. The person that you're saying it to is judging you by the same standards that the Bible has given. And so I'm going to, in love, of course, say to this dear lady with the beautiful voice who's talking to this, you are a bigoted cockwomble. In love, of course. Just, just send me uh, an email with that word spelled out so that I can, you know, use it in my writing sometime. All Christians out there, do not be afraid to stand firm on God's word, even in the face of a false teacher. Brother, I hope you'll hear me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You still struggle with same-sex attraction, with the LGBT lifestyle, because God made you LGBT. Your sexuality or gender identity is not sinful. It is not wrong for you to desire to be in a relationship with someone of the same sex. It is not wrong for you to have questions about gender identity and gender fluidity and who you're attracted to. God created humanity in all of our diversity. And in our diversity, we reflect God's creativity. It's not wrong for you to love someone of the same gender or be attracted to a transgender person. All of that is simply a reflection of the way that God created you. Now you can spend the rest of your life trying to overcome this struggle, trying to turn from the flesh, as you put it. But that's not what the scripture meant when it said turn from the flesh. When the scripture says to crucify ourselves, to crucify our flesh, it's talking about to turn away from desires that cause us to sin. And sin means to harm ourselves or harm others. Your love for people of the same gender does not harm you or harm anybody else. It's natural. Your desire to be in a relationship with a trans person does not harm you or harm anybody else. It's God created. Sin is when we begin to do things, sexual behaviors or other behaviors that objectify others or ourselves, that are compulsive, that are addictive. Those things are things we should all abstain from. But simply loving somebody of the same gender, simply being attracted to somebody of the same gender, simply identifying as LGBT because that is how God made you is not wrong. It's not sinful. And the more you try to repress that, the more it's going to keep coming up because it's how God made you. I know you're surrounded by Christians who are telling you exactly the opposite, who are telling you that it's a good thing that you've turned from the LGBT lifestyle. But you'll find throughout your journey you'll never be able to get rid of it because it's a part of who you are. Again, it's one thing to stop having random sex. It's one thing to not be addicted to pornography or whatever other sins you might have been struggling with. But it's a whole nother thing to say that a part of your identity, how you are wired, who you are attracted to, who you love is broken and sinful. Sin pulls us away from health and wholeness. It harms us and harms others. 
Your sexual identity, your gender identity doesn't do that. And so it's not sinful. I pray that you can come to know the truth, that God made you just as you are in all of your diversity, and that you can embrace your LGBT identity because God created you to live in the fullness of who he made you to be. Okay. Okay. Can we just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so much in that little uh, short speech. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the first bite of this apple, though. Um, I don't want to have take too much issue with what he said because broadly, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he's definitely trying to be a good Christian. He's definitely trying to be a God-centered Christian, and he's definitely trying to be an embracive Christian, and he's definitely trying to be an inclusive Christian, and he's definitely trying to be the kind of Christian that attracts people who are less than, uh, inverted commas, perfect. Please don't think I'm saying that people who are same-sex attracted are not perfect. That's not what I'm saying, but yeah, this is the Christian attitude. It's Christ so I get that, so I don't want to put too much of a dampener on that, but this definition of sin is when it harms people, I I have a little bit of an issue with that relationship there 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 are things that that harm people that might not be sinful and when do you cause harm you know let's give an example my parents divorced when i was uh, a preteen that was very very harmful for me but looking back now it was the right thing for them to do and i don't see that as a bad thing when i was there in the midst of it as a hurt child not understanding what was going on i considered it sinful but now I look back on it and I don't. So these kinds of things change. And there are probably things that we could define as sinful in where nobody is harmed. But how long does that harm last? What's the delay? What if there's a delay of 30 years when somebody finds out about something happened and then they feel harmed by it? Does it suddenly become sinful? And so it's that relationship that I have a little quibble about. I think it needs to be a little bit more precise in these definitions there. So uh, there will be an upcoming uh, show with one of the four on the subject of sin. I've, I've got to find the right video for it. But sin is an interesting issue. I, I must say that as much as I would like to agree with uh, this TikTok pastor, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not saying that I disagree with his sentiment, because I do. I believe that, um, you know, I, I believe it's trivial to say that there's, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. It's not immoral, um, and I don't know why we would treat it that way. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about sin, and sin is a particular religious idea. Yeah. So if you're going to go with the religious idea that most Christians have when they hear the term, then you can't just talk about what you think is moral or ethical. Now, I, I don't want to step on the toes of the lady here because I happen to know that it's coming up, but this was my initial thought when I heard this. So uh, I will just say that I, this um, this TikTok pastor is pastoring like a progressive. This is how every progressive I have ever talked to sounds. 
this is th- these are the sorts of things that they say. This is a, a, a common uh, talking point from the progressive playbook, and it's some of why so many Christians and non-Christians, for that matter, have problems with progressives because we don't really understand what playbook they're coming from. It doesn't seem to be the Bible. Um, you can, you know, so from his definition of sin, one wonders where in the Bible one finds that. Now, we can say that that's a very humanistic idea that we agree with, but that's not a particularly biblical idea of of sin. And, um, you know, homosexuality being something that God um, created you as. Well, yes, I I don't think there's a God, but I I do believe it's perfectly natural. But once again, he has to kind of talk about that in a way that makes sense to religion and not just in a way that makes sense to humanism. So um, this lady, whose name I just never looked at (laughs) only until now realize that i don't have um goes into that so let's let's hear what she has to say and we'll we'll cover that a little bit more guys there is a lot going on there but we're gonna try to keep this flowing he has two major themes here one the fact that god made you this way this is part of his design it's who you are it's your identity in christ because he made you I just want to say, I think that's my dog. No, it's my dog. Oh, that's your dog. Okay. <laughs> it's my dog. The yeah. wife has gone out and the dog is having a... Somebody's parked in the wrong place and she's not happy about it. It's... I, I told my wife to kind of keep my dog in check for the next little bit. And um, I thought that she was taking a holiday. I can go down and give her another kick if you prefer. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. <okay>. No. <laughs> <laughs> that will that will not let's see how do i edit that house <laughs> number two it's not a sin so let's address the first part of his argument that god made us this way let's check the scriptures for ourselves genesis 127 says so god created man in that's where i'm gonna stop <laughs> okay i've been waiting for this point so he makes a claim that we are made this way now, he says that God made us this way, but this is how Christians talk. Um, a secularist would say that, uh, sorry about that. I mean, sorry, Michael. David, I need to go and sort. She's just not stopping. Sorry, I'll it's, be right it's, back. It's okay. But right, you can, okay. You, right. it's, I'm, I'm fine with it. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's all right. Um, we're dog people here. Um, so, um, yeah, so we are made this way or that this is a a natural thing so this seems to be a claim that should be settled scientifically um we should be looking at what biology tells us what the best sciences tell us that's that's not to say that we would be right but we would be looking in the right places Uh, and as we grow our knowledge um you know that's that's a good place to be that you know a scientific claim seems to require some scientific evidence or research or at least a scientific response a response from biology this is not what she does in fact she does what almost every christian does she takes a 
biological or scientific claim, and she goes to the Bible to refute it. Her first impulse is not, oh, let's see what the scientists say. It's, let's see what my sacred book says. This is epistemology fail, if there ever uh, was one. And yet, this is where the Christian is. This is one of the reasons why it is so hard to have this conversation with a Christian. Because you're talking about natural things, and they're talking about holy books. Yep. Okay, I was expecting more from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, there is more I could say, but I'm anticipating that it will come back to that, so we're good. Okay. Would you like to put the dog on and uh, see if uh, they'd like to comment? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. that would be cuteness overload. Okay. His own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. So with that one passage alone, the claim that this man is making that it's, you know, okay to question your gender identity and like, which essentially is, you know, giving into this ideology of that you can be a man or a woman. It's, you know, you can choose or you could be non-binary. This is all part of the same tree of ideas. Um, but Genesis 127 just answers the question for you. Okay, so now- No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's very hard for me to walk away from this idea. Now, whether the man and his claims are true or not is not even what I'm addressing. By the way, I, I happen to think they are true, but that's not what I'm addressing. What I'm addressing is the fact that for her, the proof he is wrong is in her magic book. You see, and that's it. She doesn't have to do any further research. She doesn't have to listen to any further research. She doesn't have to think about this in any different way. It, it says so in the book. Done. We can, we can wrap it up. These people teach our school children. Yep. Now that we see male and female, now in Genesis 2, 18 through 24, we see the purpose of this relationship together. So God is outlining the fundamental reason that it is male and female and that together we are here for a purpose. Okay, did, I'm sorry, I missed that. Did uh, she actually outline what the fundamental reason was? <laughs> she seems to have had this thought that because Genesis says God made them male and female, that that somehow explains the fundamental reason why I, we were made. I assumed she was going to get there. But yeah, so she's mm. going to get now to, you must have children. Yeah, well, you see, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to look ahead here, but um, let's, just, let's just touch on that one briefly. You must have children cannot be the fundamental reason. Cannot be the fundamental reason because there are many heterosexual couples who either choose not to have children or for biological reasons cannot have children so They're the, the Christian, christians right i mean you would have to say that that is fundamentalist that's christians. that's not a god-blessed marriage it's not uh no. living up to the standard the fundamental purpose 
of there being male and female in the first place. It's, it's not an argument that can be sustained. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Okay, but who made him alone in the first place? <laughs> yep. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Um, you know, with all of the animals, he made mating pairs. But with man, he didn't make a mating pair. And I actually talk about this a lot in the first season of uh, Red Letters. You know the one. Uh, patreon.com slash red letters. Just uh, go ahead, jump in there, grab my free book. You're going to love it. It's the best damn book ever written. Um, yeah. Um, well, next to the Bible, maybe. Um, no, it's better than that. So how long was Adam, <laughs> how long was Adam on his own before God realized, oh, it's not good? Was, was it five days? Five years could have been a hundred years. Oh, he was a man. It was it, no, he was a man. It would be five minutes. He'd have gone naked. He'd have gone looked down and gone, "Ooh, what's that?" And he'd have gone, "Oh no, it's definitely not good for a man to be alone." That, well, that's that's, mm -mm. that's probably what happened. It was it, five it has, minutes. It has three to be and a half, probably. No, I, I appreciate the sentence, but it has to be long. The sentiment, but it has to be longer than that because he named all of the animals first. All of the animals came to him kind of in this procession. We oh, yeah, that's what and, it was. And he got to the end, he got to Zebra, and then Adam had a look in his eye, and God went, nope, you yeah. are not being alone. You need someone. <laughs> so it, it, it says, and Adam found no suitable mate, as if, you know, he was, he was looking the for a mate. She wasn't cuddly enough, that's what it was. <laughs> no. the zebra was too tall and a bit kicky. <laughs> You know, the, the, it just didn't work out. The porcupine just don't go there. <laughs> Too many pricks. No, 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 not, no, we're not going there. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, too late. Was... You invited me on. That's where we're going. <laughs> Too many pricks. Okay. Yeah. So, um, right. So, uh, it was God who made Adam, uh, without a mating pair in the first place that created this drama. Uh, in the first place. So let's not be too hard on that. <laughs> how, how do we know God didn't make a man first and went, oh, that doesn't work, and then made a, a woman next? Well, he didn't destroy the man, though. So if the man was faulty, um, you know, he could have. No, I meant the man mate. Oh. Um, that is, it's not recorded. Maybe they deleted that bit. Yeah. Okay. So there are so many. Um, I, I feel like I've read a, a thousand explanations of Genesis 1 here in this creation story uh, from progressives. There are a thousand and one ways to tell this story, um, to, to remove it of any meaning uh, at all. And I feel like I've read them all. I've read every one that anyone's put in front of me. Uh, that must out. be the clue that it's a really bad place to go to for your fundamental facts. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and Just for saying, this lady, that that's the only place she goes. That's that's, that's the only source that she that she cares about. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. I, I just want to also point out really briefly, um, this particular fundamentalist lady is also a biblical literalist because for her, these, you know, she's reading history as she reads this. She's not reading uh, poetry. She's not reading, um, uh, you know, any, any type of uh, mythology uh, here. She's reading literal history. And um, so once again, the, uh, uh, epistemology fail 101 here. There are problems with taking these things literally. I was taught as a child this passage literally, and I was taught it so literally that we're actually told that men have one fewer ribs than women as a result of this. Yeah, you can feel it right here that where the rib is broken off right there. It's. Oh, don't you. Don't, 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 don't. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Again, there's that woman. Sorry, sorry. We're missing a really, really obvious trick here. Adam gave birth to Eve from his own body and Eve started off male. Why are we not unpacking that? Why is there not a sermon about that? Come on. This is literally literally true here. Come on. There is so much juice there and so many ways to say bone with a straight face. Oh, come on. It's just, <laughs> it's all there. Why aren't we spending 20 minutes on that? Can't do it. <laughs> and hold fast to his wife. Again, we see woman-man relationship and they shall become one flesh. And that's, again, reaffirming biblical said, marriage um, and the importance. Yeah, but she didn't say, but come. Of that, those <laughs> Best two come. Um, fundamental identities, man, woman, together as one. So in other words, heterosexuality, one man, one woman was God's design from the beginning. Okay, so point number two that this man is making is concerning the argument of homosexuality being sin. And he bases that off of the first part that we just talked about, but also the fact that sin is something that harms you or others. Okay, can we stop there? Yes. Sorry, before we get into this, I've let her carry on, but I wanted to pick up on what she said before, before she she changed tack about it being God's design. So what Mm -hmm. we've got, Excuse me, <clears throat> repeating Buckham. Right, so what we've got is we've got, let's take it as read, okay? I know you disagree. I mean, everybody knows that I disagree, but let's just take it as given for the moment. God's plan in this perfect world that He's created is it's one man and one woman. They have happy times and live happily ever after, blah, 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 blah. And we live in this world where God created everything, all the rules, all the consequences, the lot. And in this world, somehow, has become this situation where you have people who are same-sex 
attracted. I'm not going to use the word sin to that, but if that's counter to God's plan, counter to God's perfect law, how did it happen in God's perfect world? You know, is God so bad at creating this that his perfect little creation is capable of overriding it? Or is, is he so bad at creating this world that these kinds of things can can spread to the kind of level that they are? I think it's what, between 10 and 15% of not just humans, but other animal species are same-sex attracted and they can't change it. Because let's be honest, people who are same-sex attracted are attracted, they, they are attracted that way and they can't change it. Now, in the same way that I'm heterosexually attracted, I can't change that. I can't make a conscious choice to choose to find men attractive, sexually that is, because I don't, despite this glorious image that I see on the screen in front of me, I can't find men attractive. Yet people who are same-sex attracted are the opposite. Yeah, they see that, they see that, and they like it. I don't get it, but they do. And they can't change it any more than I can change my sexuality it's just there it's a part of who we are it's a part of the people and if god's perfect planned world has allowed this to happen then it really does rest on god he made the rules he made the consequences he allowed for this to happen so the um the obvious rejoinder for for the christian would be god didn't make same-sex attraction, but that it is one of the consequences of sin. And, and he made the consequences. He made, and the, he consequences. made the allowance for sin. When, when, uh, when sin came, it destroyed the entirety of the universe in some way, and it, it turned people's desires uh, toward things that God uh, did not intend them for. So th- this, is, this is just standard Christian talking point and it's a way to take the onus off of god for men having attraction to other men however i don't think that you can do that i don't think that quite works i mean that's that's one way you can try but the fact of the matter is god placed temptation in front of his man and his woman uh right up front uh that had nothing to do with sexuality he put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, right in the middle, right where they lived, and it was attractive to the eye. Uh, so they had to see it every day. If this tree had to exist at all, which I would say that it doesn't, but if this tree with the poison fruit had to exist, it didn't have to exist there. He could have put it outside of the garden where they were never going anyway. Uh, so he put the tree there specifically as a temptation, as something that they were not supposed to have, but they would have to want. And so I think it is perfectly in bounds to say that God also made some people with same-sex attraction, just like the forbidden tree. It's there, it's for them to look at, it's to test them uh, but he didn't want them to eat of that forbidden fruit, as it were. And so that still means that God put the sexual desire there. 
Um, and so Christians who, who just want to automatically say, well, God couldn't have done that because he's, he's God and he doesn't tempt people with evil. He put the damn tree there with evil literally in its name. Yep. And now let's have an analogy. I'm a software developer during the day before I do this thing at, at night and drink beer and stuff like that. Now, it's in my power to create a button on the software that I do for my job that will go away and delete all of the company data from the database. I have that power. Now, let's say I do that. I put a button in our software that will delete all of the data in the company's databases. But I make I put text on this button that says, do not press this button. It will delete everything. But I leave the button there and active. Sooner or later, somebody is going to click that button. So the question is, when somebody does click that button and all the company data gets wiped and they lose millions of pounds of value and it's become and, it, and we lose weeks and months of work trying to restore everything, whose job is on the line when it comes to the meeting with the director? The person who clicked the button or the person who put the button there? Well, if you're God, it's uh, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know that would be the equivalent of me saying it's everybody's fault except mine. Yeah, because I didn't press the button. Right, it's and just I, bullshit. It's I bullshit. certainly would press the button. Uh, you know, I watch hundreds of videos. Um, I, I have button. We'll have finger. <laughs> you have button. We'll press. <laughs> It's just me. Sin is more than just something that harms you okay, or harms others. It's transgression of the law of God. Let's just stop right there. Uh, that's that's the place in this 17-minute video that I really care about, believe it or not. Um, it is the definition of sin itself. This is what, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of of sin. And... Christians conflate morality with sin. So this is why I don't like talking about morality with Christians, because when they hear morality, they also hear sin. There's this magical component with this secular idea. And so I tend to talk about ethics, social ethics, which does not have any magical components. We're just talking about social ethics. Um, when it comes to sin, the progressive wants to say sin is uh, a matter of harm to our fellow men. Well, I would actually agree with that definition if we were talking about morality, um, ethics. Then, then we would be talking about harm, you know, things of harm or, or benefit socially. But the progressive is separating morality and, well, they're, they're giving a secular de uh, definition of morality, but they're including that definition with the spiritual definition of sin. And what this lady is saying, what she is pointing out, is something that I absolutely agree with, and I warn all of the time on the boards when we talk about these things, the Christian and the atheist is not talking about the same thing when you talk about morality. And she just says it right here. 
This has nothing to do with whether it harms another person. Nothing to do with it. This has everything and only to do with whether it conflicts with God's law or not. That's what Christians care about. That's all Christians care about when it comes to this. So don't get sucked into arguments about whether or not homosexuality causes harm to the person or, uh, or to the other person involved or to society. They don't care. They could care less. What they care about is whether or not it contradicts God's law. I assure you, if you could scientifically prove that homosexuality caused no harm of any kind, they still wouldn't care. Because they would still fall back on the one thing they do care, and it's all they're ever talking about. It conflicts with God's law. And so Christians who, you know, maybe are less fundy than her might join me in mocking her for reaching for the Bible to talk about a scientific issue. But at the end of the day, it's them too. At the end of the day, all sin is for them is contradicting God's law. I want to say for the record, I don't give a damn about God's law, God's will, God's opinion. Never what I'm talking about. If God's law is so important, then can't God sort out the transgressors? Why does he need whimsy, weak-willed, pathetic humans to be the gatekeepers of his laws for him? Can't he do it? So I've often wondered this about uh, death penalty-type uh, laws in the Old Testament. Why did God ever require anyone to kill anyone? Why did, why did God need armies? Uh, if it is non-ideal for humans to kill other humans, God could have spared all humans of killing humans that needed killing. He could have done it himself. Yep. The, the humans could have just kept on farming and their enemies would drop dead. Uh, the, the sinners who con committed death penalty offenses would just drop dead where they stood. Uh, there's no need to get humans involved with stoning other humans because it goes against your law when you're perfectly capable of dealing with that yourself. Why are you getting other humans' hands dirty? And rebellion against God. That is the rebellion, actual Rebellion, please, definition please, stop, stop. This... Do you want to start a rebellion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> this whole rebellion thing really gets my goat. This is something... It's this whole categorizing people of rebellion... Um, and I, I had this recently about teenagers and leaving the church, and or even people generally leaving the church. Oh, you're just in rebellion. As soon as people do something that other Christians consider to be wrong or against the law, law of God, <laughs> it's not just sin. They haven't just fallen in sin. They are actively rebelling against God. Therefore, they are a prior. Therefore, they deserve all the consequences that come that way. And these Christians will take it upon themselves to ostracize and to call out and to to label these these people every kind of 
bad word they can possibly think of because it's rebellion and we all know what rebels deserve because we've all watched star wars oh, for goodness sake just grow up so i uh i'm with you there um i feel like going on a 10 minute diatribe um on that very topic but mm, we'll have yeah, save it for another one david yeah. we'll have fun <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have um We'll have the opportunity. By the way, I'm just going to say this out loud, uh, this non sequitur in the middle of um, the show here. My birthday is next month, and I, what I want for my birthday, you listeners out there, no, no, you can't even do gallstone revenge because you never got the gallstones. Um, Ow! So, Ow! So, <laughs> also, also, I have had gallstones. Uh, bad, it's bad poncho. Um, so what I want for my birthday is a panel, uh, discussion, a meeting of the four on one show. Uh, I want, I want this, I want this so bad. Um, Clint, Sarah, Matt, Ryan, why work it out guys work it out <laughs> next month my birthday is on the 14th doesn't have to be that day i want a meeting of the four um i want to i want to do a show with the whole gang just just find a way oh, the four Please. horse persons <laughs> so maybe in certain cases a homosexual relationship might not actively be hurting anyone else, right? It's not hurting the guy next door that you are engaging in whatever you want in your own private life. Right. So she is acknowledging that homosexuality doesn't necessarily hurt anyone. She doesn't care. She is trying to make it very clear. It's not about whether it harms anyone or not. It's about whether God likes it or not. Now, let's see how long it takes for her to reverse course on that. However... There is the argument that the, the acceptance of this kind of relationship overall in our society is having some detrimental effects. Oh, there For we example, <laughs> we are seeing deprivation of the mother and father relationship for oh, a child, boy. which is fundamental to their success in life. And hey, that's taking out of... Um, out of the religious context. The problem with this whole entire idea is that we, it's not about harming yourself or others. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I, th I thought she had some more to say about that, but yeah, uh, very, very quickly, uh, she was like, yeah, it's not about whether it harms, but it does, but it doesn't matter. But it does. <laughs> so uh, let me let me just let me just recommend Christians uh, pick one. Um, is it a sin because it harms uh, other people, or is it a sin because it goes against God's law? What if God's law was something that harmed other people? You wouldn't care about the harm that it did to other people then. Uh, so I think she's right the first and third time. The harm aspect while a question of social ethics is not a matter of sin, Matt. <laughs> it, it ruins the relationship between uh, son and mother. I mean, I... 
how? <laughs> you know, you know, because of, uh, you know, the the, the gay so, uh, the gay son uh, always borrowing the dresses um, in in silky under things, uh, and the mother it gets them. They argue about it. I don't know. <laughs> so two guys, couple of houses over there, they're having a good time mm-hmm. in their bedroom, you know, butt to butt and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's not how it's done. I, I told you, I'm not that way. I, I watched um, I watched some gay porn as a preparation for the show, and uh, yeah, that's not how it's done. <laughs> were there cakes involved? Yeah, never mind. Um, never mind. And. <laughs> And somehow that, that affects the parent child. Oh, I've got it. I've I, I've got it. I've got it. It's because she lives next door to a, a gay couple, and at night time, all she can hear, and it's <laughs> and they're they're clearly having a better time than she is, mm, okay. and so no, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. So um. It, it's it, it, yeah. That's that's what it is. Let's see. It is. Hang on, they're not finished. They're not finished. It's about yeah. transgressing nope, the law of God. It's about actively rejecting God as who He says He is and His commandments. If you love Him, you will follow His commandments. Um, it's also a perversion of what it means to love your neighbor. That's something that a lot of no, it's progressive, not. Um, <laughs> No, Her neighbors are definitely loving each other lots. <laughs> How is that a perversion of love your neighbors? I mean, um, it, this this just feels like a reach. Um, Christian, a reach around. <laughs> Christians like myself are not loving because we're shaming the homosexual lifestyle, the transgenderism um, ideology, but it's it's so much more than that. Because love is has to be grounded in truth, otherwise it's not love. So one of stop, the stop, other stop, arguments stop, he's stop, made. Stop, stop. <laughs> I have a horrible feeling you're not taking this seriously, David. These are very serious matters of of the heart and of obedience and of God's perfect law, and you're just sitting there, shoulders shaking. Can't keep your mouth shut. I mean, it's the weird noises coming out of you. I'm, I'm really worried that your listeners are going to become distracted by, by what you're doing. You started it with the butt cum beer. Yeah, I think this is a <laughs> no, 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 let's go. I, I haven't got to my point yet. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Come on. Oh. Right. Now, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, what's this relationship between love and truth? I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> this doesn't happen when Clint is on. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's because Clint's a doctor. You know, if you're if you're going to get substandard, educationalized people on here, this is the kind of crap you're going to get. Listeners, email address down there. Write to him. Get better guests. You know, email address down down there. No, but seriously, love is grounded in truth. What freaking kind of nonsense is that? I mean, is she being? Oh, what kind of philosopher says that? I, I don't know. 
I don't know what love is in her worldview is. I certainly know what truth is in her worldview is. It's whatever the Bible says and whatever she thinks God means. Oh, that's a problem. It. Yeah, it is. It is a problem. Um, you know, Jesus said to um, to hate your father, mother, sister, brother, um, close relations. And the salvation to that passage by uh, Christians is, well, the love you have for God should make your love for those other people look like hate. Okay, but please explain to me <laughs> how, how your, your treatment of someone could look like hate uh, and it not be hate. Uh, how is it that your love for someone makes your love for someone else look like hate? I don't understand that relationship at all. And so love is grounded in truth. So we love, we love God and his word, and we hate the things that God hates, and God hates homosexuality, and so we hate homosexuality. But we love homosexuals, but our love for God makes our love for them look like hate. I don't look, none of this makes any sense to me. I have I have tried over a number of years to to try to ground this in some kind of sense. And I wasn't you know, that that whole thing about hate your 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 family, that didn't make sense to me when I was a Christian either. And no. so rather than come up with some kind of, you know, theological expression that would explain it. I just ran from that as as hard as I could. The arguments put together is that there's nothing wrong with having gay desires or homosexual inclinations. And I would say, again, false. As we discussed already, male, female, one flesh, here for a purpose, for that reason, and anything that goes against that design is a sin because that is essentially rebelling against the commandments of, of God himself. Now, the other part of that is we need to make a distinction between temptation. We need to make a distinction between mere temptation and actively sinning. Is it sinful for a man to have sexual attraction toward a woman that is not his wife. I think that could be debated. I think you can say that it is natural the way men are wired. Okay, I'm just going to pause right there for our misogynistic moment. <clears throat> Why is she saying that this is just a way that men are wired? Uh, women philander uh at equal rates <laughs> women <laughs> you know um, can, yeah can i just say just in case my wife watches this video i don't find any other women attractive to just want to put that out there yeah uh especially the hottie doing this video to have oh. <laughs> attraction for more than one woman someone outside of just a marriage it is a sin to look at another woman with lustful eyes, it is. Um, what does it mean to look at a woman with lust? This is 
This is a question that I have asked many times and I've gotten different answers on the board and in life and in church. Uh, Christians often try to make a distinction uh, between um, uh, admiring the beauty of a woman and lust. And I frankly don't find I don't find those distinctions um, to be valid, but maybe you can have a go at it here. Um, at what point, when you were a Christian, at what point was admiring, you know, noticing, you know, a hottie was a hottie uh, and lust? Where's the line? <sighs> For me, where did I draw the line? I think I drew the line when I went from, yes, that's attractive, to that's attractive and I'd like to hit it. Sorry, hit it was a very misogynist term, wasn't it? Uh, was it? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's let's move the topic from humans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's move the topic from humans to paintings. Okay? okay. I can go into an art gallery. and I can go. Yeah, that's a nice painting. That's fine. I can also go into an art gallery. Is yes, that's a nice painting, and I'd like to hang it in my bedroom. There's a distinction. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I can recognize that distinction. I um I j I don't I you know, I'm trying. I'm I'm working at it. And I know that I'm going to get some feedback on the boards for this, but I've 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 thought about this a lot, and it seems to me that humans just aren't made that way. Um so when I was uh, younger, I would get an erection with a stiff breeze, um, and <laughs> today Please. warning, warning, <laughs> mouthful of buckham when you're going to say things like that. So, Please, <laughs> today it takes a tsunami, but um, <laughs> but but um, you know uh, when you're younger and blood's flowing easily. Um, and half of everything you thought about was sex anyway. Every seven uh, seconds, apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, erections happen. So an erection is kind of a sign that whether you think you're lusting or not, you are. You have become aroused by a thing, right? So, um... These things are often simultaneous, uh, that you recognize, you know, the, the beauty of a woman and you're aroused. And arousal is a natural function. And it is your body asking you the question, can we tap that? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is just, this is just human nature. And I don't actually see anything even immoral about that. Some would say, well, it objectifies people. But as humans, 
we we are objects in the world. You can't not objectify people. You may not be objectifying a person sexually, but you're, you know, often objectifying your uh, employee on a construction site as a good strong back that needs to move that stack of logs, right? And so, um, I don't think that that's particularly wrong or immoral either. It's nice to be able to say, well, you know, we shouldn't objectify people and we should just look at each other as, you know, spiritual beings flowing out in the ether. But no, uh, that's simply not how humans work. I don't mean to objectify you, Matt, but when I think about Matt Taylor, I think about someone who's really smart someone who's really good on podcasts and someone who makes me better. And when I, when I thought about the people that I wanted on the show, I thought about those kinds of uh, characteristics. Uh, some might say that's objectifying. Um, it's not sexually objectifying, although you're also a hottie. Um, I know. And, and, but that, that didn't I do have my any... best to hide it. <laughs> you, you failed, sir. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I just, I think that we have some idealistic notions around uh, humanity and, uh, uh, you know, how, how we deal with each other socially and sexuality that are more... Um, aspirational than realistic. And I, I think this is one of those things that's more aspirational than realistic, this idea that, um, you know, we acknowledge the beauty and attractiveness of someone without also, um, you know, having certain physical reactions that make you uh, want to at least imagine doing other things. In fact, the imagining of doing other things often comes well before you are even aware of it because you saw the woman. If we didn't, if, if we didn't find something attractive about the people that we ultimately married, we would have never married them. Often the, the thing that draws us to our spouse is, oh, she's pretty. <laughs> I think I'd like to go talk to her. Now, the relationships are built on more than that, but they're also built on that. And, and to say that they're not is, I think, uh, being idealistic in a way that doesn't really make any sense. Go ahead. So it sounds here then that <clears throat> your point about the, um, the start of a relationship is really important and really good. So it's okay and it's natural to dress up for going out to make ourselves look as attractive as possible to a prospective mate and we assume that they're doing the same and because the first if you're going out to try and find somebody who you'd like to ask on a date that your first impression is attractiveness before you get to anything else you might overhear them having a conversation and say actually that person's got a character that i like that's mm -hmm. a possibility as well but more often than not it's going to be that's a hottie, I'd like to hit it. Mm -hmm. And then you go and that is what the primary motivation is before having the conversation. Then you find out the other attractors. And then you get married and suddenly all of that stuff, all of that natural stuff, which we've just heard acknowledged, has to get suppressed. Mm -hmm. And this is what the religion of Christianity is all about. 
suppression of self. You're not allowed to be naturally attractive to that over there because that's disallowed. And so you must suppress it. And remember, this is the same religion that not very many years ago would talk in the same way that we're hearing now about same sex as mixed race. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. So, Even if it was one of those pure mixed sex, mixed race relationships, it was still verboten. It was still not allowed. It was still sinning. Yeah. You, you said this so much better than me, which is exactly why I have objectified you in exactly the way that I have. Sin, oh, do it again. Do it again. Therefore, yes. commit adultery because of the fact that he has these desires. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, you've I, I can't leave your your thought that fast. So, um, yeah. To put a button on it from my side, um, the same thing, the exact same thing that got that gets you the relationship with your wife is still biologically at work within you. God, for instance, could have turned that biological switch off when you got married. Married? Okay, so now that's gone. Now we don't, in fact, find other women attractive. <clears throat> but that's not how it works. We, we are attracted by the eye and the loins with other women exactly the same way after we are married because that is how our biology works and it is a it is a certain kind of social suppression then that we have to do and i'm not saying that we shouldn't uh you know suppress you know try to suppress this for the sake of of marriages but i also think you know that it's easier to do that if you have an honest relationship with uh, your wife, you know, I can watch t- television with my wife and I can just lust at something that comes up on the screen that's scantily dressed for a minute and, uh, and we're good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and so can she, um, you know, because that's just how we are. It's like, uh, yeah, hang on, rewind that <laughs> for just a second. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were not dressed, and I th- I think they were doing things. Um, so yeah, I don't. This is just humanity, and it's not. You don't have to be all taboo around it in order to have a commitment to fidelity uh, in a relationship. So um, I'm not even saying that fidelity in a relationship is actually the best way to go about relationships. Um, so. Yeah, you guys can hit me up on that if you want to do. I'm not going into that right now. All I'm saying is that um, you can have fidelity in your relationship. You can commit to fidelity in your relationship and still not deny the the human part of you that lusts. Yeah. I'd like to um, briefly take a tangent and talk about non-human apes. Okay. So, and... Some of your very well-informed listeners, watchers, hello, whoever you are, you know who you're about to be, will already know where I'm going to go with this. There are two particular species of non-human apes that are used as studies for this kind of thing. The bonobos and the chimpanzees. Mm -hmm. Now, the bonobos 
are very well done, known for having lots of intimate exchanges, lots of sexual encounters, male on male, female on female, partner to non-partner. It, it's regular. Now, it's not like they're in the trees constantly having orgies. They use it for a purpose. They use it for favours. They use it for conflict resolution. They use it for conflict resolution, which is the point I'm getting to. Whereas you look at the chimpanzees, they don't have the same kind of sexual attitude. And they are fucking violent. They are vicious creatures. If I'm ever meeting an ape in the jungle, I'd rather meet a bonobo than a chimpanzee. Because if you bump into a chimpanzee, even as a human, you could potentially be in danger. They are vicious bastards. They will rip other chimpanzees literally limb from limb and then devour the contents. They are really, really violent. And it goes to the extreme to the point where they hunt in packs. And they'll do that to monkeys as well as to other chimpanzee groups. Bonobos do not have the same record of violence to the point where, feel free to correct me if you have an example, listeners, but I think I'm right in saying is there isn't a recorded violent attack on, within bonobos. I might be wrong. I'm prepared to be wrong. If you've got fact that proves me wrong, please quote it and uh, I'll back that down. There's certainly a lot less by a massively significant margin to the point where it's effectively almost zero. So where's my point going? Well, dear Christian, dear Christian God, choose your sin, murder or sex. Yeah, I can, uh, I can attest as a resident of New Jersey that um, I have not been attacked by a bonobo. But if he never acts on it, then the desire itself isn't a sin, especially if he's submitting it to God and praying that the Holy Spirit help him overcome any temptation that will lead him to sin. So why are we why are we having to pray constantly to overcome a temptation? Um, why must it be a temptation? It's it's the same question, really, as why did the tree have to be in the garden? Um, God, God fixed this thing within us as a temptation. Didn't have to be. That's on him. So he, he made us so that we would be constantly tempted. Why? So that we would be constantly praying to him? to free us from this temptation, which, by the way, he never does. It, it, yeah, it just I'd seems... Like to... why, why, doesn't she, why, doesn't, why doesn't the Christian have the next thought here, I, I guess is what I'm complaining about. See, my problem with all this, so let's paint the scenario that she's putting out here. You've got a... So let's imagine, why is it always the man? Why is it the man that's the problem? Why is she not talking about... Well, anyway, never mind. So. There's a, let's imagine there's a middle-aged man, he's living alone, he's 40 years old, and from the earliest days of him beginning to realise that he had sexual motivations, he also realised that he was same-sex attracted, but he's also grown up as a Christian. And for all of those years, 
nearly 30 roundish years, depending on when he first became sexually aware. He's tried to be honest to the God that he believes in, and he's tried to resolve the conflict of same-sex attraction, and he's tried to have healthy, legitimate relationships with women, but it just hasn't worked. He's just not there. That idea of having a union with a woman in the way that a heterosexual person does is just too icky for him. The ick factor is so great, he just can't do it. So he's living on his own. But he's lonely. He likes companionship. He wants to have permanent companionship, but his religion stops him from doing it. So he spent most of those 30 years praying to God to remove it from him because he believes God exists and he believes God does miracles and he's prayed earnestly and desperately many many times for that to be taken away and what has he got from God shock therapy I would say that this applies in a homosexual context as well I think that it is one thing for a person to have um, a, an inclination to homosexual attraction, same-sex attraction. It is the acting upon it that it becomes a sin. Let's take a look at Romans one twenty-six and one twenty-seven. Here again, let's answer this biological question with a Bible verse because we're uncomfortable talking about the biology of it and you can kind of hear that she doesn't she doesn't feel terribly comfortable talking about it as a purely biological matter so let's run to our security blanket of the bible in one of the most homophobic passages there is in the bible let's see what it says this is where it's rooted in the fact that the act of homosexuality is sinful for this reason, God... I'm sorry, I, I got to stop even before she reads it. We were talking about hate speech earlier. Um, it's not any less hate speech simply because you're quoting someone else's hate. Paul, what Paul said would have been maybe original hate speech. But you plant your flag there and you fly it as well. So it's now your hate speech. You can't pawn it off on, um, you know, God said it, and so it's not hate. No, God didn't say it. Paul said it. And Paul was a rather hateful individual. Patreon.com slash right letters. Gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations, again, natural relations being what we saw in Genesis, man, woman, together. For those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. So this makes it clear that the actual act of homosexuality, that means the sexual component, is the sin. However, the temptation must be fought. So he makes this idea, he convolutes this idea of the desire for same-sex relations with the actual act of same-sex relations and then says homosexuality is not a sin. 
we need to make those distinctions because the end result is that you will yield to temptation if you're not actively fighting it. If you're giving into this idea that the temptation is okay, being the sexual beings that we are, there will come a point if you're not active, actively engaging with that temptation, actively fighting the temptation with the power of the Holy Spirit that you will give in to what Romans is talking about here, the actual sinful act. So that's why God then says to make every thought obedient to Christ. It's okay that people differ in opinion when it comes to politics, when it comes to creation of the law. However, when it comes to a reverend or pastor, as he calls himself, and he's influencing so many people in this false doctrine of Christianity, saying it in the name of Christ, we must fight back. Wait, okay. I agree Christianity is a false doctrine. Can we stop now? <laughs> no. Um, I just, um, this militance here, uh, if you want to see Christians get really militant about something, it's abortion and homosexuality, and I'm not entirely sure which one is the strongest for them. But she uses this term. If everybody was homosexual, no one would need abortions. Well, okay, we'll we'll just propose that one as a as a possible solution there. Um, it's that whole do you want to mm, fuck or kill people? I mean, which one? Is, sorry, the so, I'm not being serious enough for you, am I? Sorry, carry on. No, um, the um, the um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Can I ask something? She yes. was quoting that Romans thing. What was yeah. that Romans passage she was Romans, quoting? Romans 1, uh, 26 and 27, I think. Because she said something about the gay men having the suitable or just the, just the appropriate punishment. I th she said something about that. Is she, is she talking about real people who received a real biblical punishment in Romans? Maybe I didn't I don't know. understand properly yeah. what she said. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. Um, probably. That sounded uh, so like there's, some prep work we could have done. They, no, we don't. We don't prep them. So, um, there's um, <laughs> there's a passage in the Old Testament that talks about homosexuality, and it uh, it says this very specifically about uh, those being put to death for homosexuality their their blood does, is yes. on their hands it's on their own hands um and so you know if if you're a homosexual not only uh should you be killed according to the old law but you really brought this on yourself that doesn't say this about say pedophiles or even average murderers Homosexuals, really, you brought this on yourself. Uh, there's a there's a real uh, distinction there. We must. Oh yeah, I re I remember what I was uh, saying there. She she's very militant. We must fight back. Uh, she says, and this is um, this seems so detached 
from reality to me. Uh, so people want legal rights to uh, have sexual relations with other consenting adults who are the same sex and um, the right to marry, although she hasn't talked about gay marriage here. Just the, just the idea that people are same-sex attracted and other people are saying, yeah, that's okay. She's saying, we must fight back. We must fight back. Why? Why? Um, even if you think that someone's opinion is wrong, why do you feel so strongly that you've got to fight back? You've got to stomp out the very idea that uh, someone should have that freedom. Uh, it, it's this issue. It, it seems to draw out an unreasonable, disproportionate response from Christians. And that is something that I have never quite understood. Yeah, sorry, I've just found up that <clears throat> that Romans passage. And yeah, <clears throat> it's not talking about specific people, but it is talking generally about men and uh, it also says women, but it also specifically mentions men having homosexual relations and then receiving the suitable punishment. So it's talking generally about to happen. But right at the beginning of that, it talks about God giving them over to the sexual, to the impure desires of their hearts or choose your version, which goes back to some of the ridiculous things that we've been pointing out earlier. God allowed them to exist with these desires in their hearts and then let them follow through with these desires because they were incapable of doing otherwise. And then having done all of that, he then goes, ah, oh, you've been a naughty boy. I now need to kill you. It's just fucking stupid. Use the word of God in its proper context to fight against this. Let me show you why. Here are some She's examples of the comments under this man's video. This is a gospel I will pay to listen to. This is heartbreaking, Reverend. It's everywhere. I saw someone showing their electrical correction on here. Someone else would have it prayed out of one slash. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't believe in the whole, like, electrical therapy. I don't know if that's even a real thing, but just obviously you have to pray for these people you have to pray that god open their eyes that they're they don't continue in in this spiritual blindness um someone else says oh my god i miss my church but they hated me raised catholic they hated you or they loved you so much that they were willing to call you out for something that was very destructive in your they loved you so much that it felt like hate <sighs> <laughs> yeah, loved them so much, they made their life so intolerable that they had no option but to leave, and then they didn't miss them. That's yeah. how much they loved them. They, they left, they crazy. felt self-tortured, they committed suicide, all because of the heaping spoonful of love that was poured out upon them. Life. Yeah, quite. Um, somebody says, well said, well spoken, facts. So this man is having an impact on people that are looking at him as speaking 
biblical truth and they're being lost. Second Timothy 4, 3. They're, they're being lost? So let's just say that she's right in the Bible is against homosexuality, which, by the way, I think she is right about that. Uh, so if you are wrong about homosexuality in a Christian, you're lost, as in going to hell, as in not saved, lost? Is that, is that what does it these days? You're wrong about homosexuality, and so you're lost? I feel like she's just making stuff up at this point. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Nobody wants to hear that in this world, the rainbow flag is sinful. They don't want to hear that. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I'm sorry. The rainbow flag is sinful. Really? Is she just making up laws at this point? <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone say the rainbow flag is sinful? They have pride. They can't humble themselves to God's word. So they reject God's words. And then there's false teachers who, for those who are trying to seek God as they understand it, will lead them astray in this way and in, in our time we're seeing that with homosexuality and transgenderism um in the future we will see this with pedophilia it's already starting <laughs> whoa whoa time out there, time there it out. is i knew we were going to get a connection to homosexuality and pedophilia it happens every time when it comes when a christian is in a conversation about homosexuality long enough pedophilia is gonna come up <laughs> So. Foul, foul, that's, yeah. That's it took her 17 minutes, break. but there it is. <laughs> wow. <sighs> yeah. And so that, that verse there just captures it. So beware to these false teachers because God really does not put up with this. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. If you've stuck around this far. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So it seems to me, no, I wouldn't actually, have made it to the end of that. It seems to me that God does put up with this, though. Uh, now, what he didn't put up with was Ananias and Sapphira uh, donating, uh, selling their, their land, donating. Uh, a great portion of that to the church and just lying about the the amount and then he just kills him on the spot he doesn't put up with that but he does seem to put up with tiktok preachers because as far as i know he's still going <laughs> so i'm not entirely sure on what basis you uh would say that god doesn't put up with that because he seems to put up with uh quite a lot look i'm still stuck on this uh whole the rainbow flag is a sin. Anyway, uh, we're at the end. Uh, your last word, and then I will round us out. Uh, uh, I had one, but that last, that whole pedo homo gay thing has just done me in. I, I I had a point that I wanted to say and I oh fuck it, it's gone. I'm sure I'm sure I'll say it in a different way to the next one if you think we can spare it. Um 
Look, here's okay. Um, th that video was 17 minutes. <laughs> this show has oh, not been 17 it. minutes. <laughs> I have another 17 minute video, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you: Do we have time? <laughs> Yeah, let's go long. Okay. Come on, okay. you're not going to see me for another four weeks. Let's go it's long. Be... Well, I'm, I'm... I'm in the mood. Come on, come on. <laughs> okay. the, the guys next door haven't started yet. We've got plenty of time. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to... You, you've got... I, I've almost finished my buckcum. You've got an inch of buckcum left. Please. And in a new development around matters LGBT, the Supreme Court of Kenya has ruled that the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer LGBTQ community have the right to association. The judgment now means that the NGO's board's decision to deny homosexuals the right to form recognized groups was discriminatory. The judges, however, maintain that homosexuality is still illegal in Kenya. I think a growing concern for Christians in America, as well as one other. Sorry. So this is just a series of clips. I'm just <laughs> that first one. I I've listened to this a few times. I've never understood. I didn't understand. So in Kenya, um, you have you now have the right to assembly, but it's still illegal. <laughs> so. If you assemble, do they just round you up and put you in jail? <laughs> One or two other countries around the world I can think of is how do we respond to the growing approval, sometimes legally, of same-sex marriage? People will look at this and they'll say, well, you're a Christian, wait, wait, which wait, means you're a follower of Christ. I think this is kind of already on the point that I was wanting to trade there so christians want to change want to have laws in countries that are not their own which outlaw same-sex relations mm -hmm. because they think it's a sin mm -hmm. right yeah this is why i quite often and i did that only this week use the word cult when describing some Christian activity. It's this kind of manipulative, controlling exclusivity, which is the point I wanted to get back to with the previous lady. You know, her Christianity is a tiny little circle, and people who do these other horrible things are, are not welcome. You need to be pushed away. Whereas TikTok pasta, we need another T there. Tick, oh, whatever. Um, TikTok pastor, he's wanting his his Christianity to be inclusive. He wants to bring people into the fold the way that Jesus supposedly did. You know, bring it in, bring all your badness with you. We'll all try and be better together, but you're welcome. Let's be at the table together. I want to love you in a way that's appropriate with food and with community and with fellowship. Whereas bad lady wants people who don't conform to a specific type to be rejected that's when christianity becomes a cult and now here we are it's gone one step further it's not only are we content with making you people my neighbors my country fellow men abide by my little cult laws i want that country over there to have the same laws as well yeah so i will just point out uh that if you weren't so full of butcom beer you would have been able to flesh out 
TikTok teacher. Christ, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. <laughs> well, as a follower of Christ, it seems very strange to me that you're making a big deal out of something that Jesus never mentioned one time in the gospel. You say, well, uh, our society cultivates uh, tolerance and you're, you're giving hate speech. You either warn them or you affirm them. And Romans 1 warns them. And any faithful Christian warns, this is dangerous, this is deadly. It's better to warn them than to affirm them. You might be the nice guy to affirm them, but that's not love speech, that's hate speech. Yeah, so when you affirm uh, a homosexual, that's hate speech. Uh, I think we could put this also on your shelf of things that would make Christianity a cult. <laughs> Jesus did address homosexuality. Uh, he addressed it in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 19. Because in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19, he addressed the issue of marriage. He rooted his understanding of marriage and the teaching in Genesis chapter 2. The teaching in Genesis chapter 2 that gave us marriage between a man and a woman for the purposes of procreation, illustration, and sanctification. He also made it very clear that what God has joined together, man cannot separate. In other words, God is the author of marriage, not man. Therefore, God is the one who defines marriage, not man. Therefore, man does not have the right to introduce the concept of same-sex marriage. That is only true in a theocracy. We do not live in a theocracy. Uh, I don't think that you live in a theocracy, although I don't understand how the British government works uh, at all because your royal is the head of the church. Maybe you do live in a theocracy. Um, but it, <laughs> it honestly does not matter what God did or didn't do. Uh, the church nor God gets to define a civil, a civil arrangement. Marriage is a social, civic arrangement. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. The government, the state, is exactly who gets to define what marriage is. And to the extent that we, the people, are an extension of the government, we do get to define what marriage is, and only considerations of what God thinks about marriage, only in the theocracies, uh, such as Muslim countries, is that appropriate. Yeah, and um, there's something else that he, he did here, which I've only recently become attuned to, to hearing the way Christians speak. It's classic Christmas it's classic christian speak what he's doing here about deferring to the to the bible because the bible the god for the words of the bible is the one who set out the laws i'm just here telling you what they are and in my conversation with mike de virgilio he pulls it the same thing and basically what it is it although it's more obvious in the conversation that i had with mike because mike said something it was about anti-supernatural bias and i told him that i objected to that and i said that doesn't describe the scenario and i explained why it doesn't describe the scenario and mike said oh no it's, it's not me who's badly describing you 
God says you're this way in the Bible. I'm just telling you what God's telling telling you about yourself from the Bible. And this is the same thing that this guy's doing here. It's not me being a dick. It's not me being the bastard who doesn't let you love the people that you want to love. It's not me being the, the restrictive moralizer here. It's God, see? In the book here, it's not me who's being the horrible person. It's God. Look here, Bible, God. God's the one who's telling you what to do. I'm just passing on the message. I'm not the horrible person. Honest. It's God. Number one, because by definition, it's not marriage. It's another thing. And number two, because by definition, it goes against what was created in Genesis chapter two. We are directly talking about undermining God's plan as he has revealed it to us. We're replacing his authority with our own. If marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, are we open to the idea of polygamy? Yes, actually. We've uh, well, seen this Bible guy is. on Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> we've seen this guy on Unbelievable. Uh, he is, um, you know, I, I suppose a good representation of uh, his cause, a good spokesperson. Um, I've I've watched some other stuff from this guy, although I can't uh, remember his name. But it, once again, this is all about uh, your idea of what God wants. And for the people on this video, they cannot imagine that anyone else can have a valid idea of what God wants that's different from them. And so the Holy War is not between people who want to do what God wants and people who don't want to do what God wants. The holy war here is between people who want to do what God wants and they just have a different understanding of what that is. Now, the war with me would be, I don't give a damn what God wants. <laughs> but that's not really who, who their problem is. Their problem is with the progressives who say, no, you're wrong about that and God is okay with homosexuality. We disregard the heterosexual aspect, so why not the monogamous aspect too? If love is love, as we keep hearing, who's to say that three men loving each other is not more love than two men loving each other? It, by definition, is more love. <laughs> isn't there a word? I think it's called daisy-chaining, isn't it? The, the Bible mm -hmm. sets up, mm -hmm. at the beginning, a man and a woman become one flesh. Okay, so, uh, John Piper, everyone knows I got a hard on for John Piper. Okay, I got a... <laughs> I mean that figuratively, okay? Don't make it weird. Um, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Whoa, image. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm 53. I don't have a hard on for anybody. Um, so John Piper, um, I, I know that he is a fundamentalist, but I didn't, I don't really think of him as a out-and-out -out literalist. But to hear him talk, I, I guess he is. Uh, all the way full on to the right nut job, biblical literalist. That's God's way of doing sexuality. Sexuality is God's idea. And we should learn from God what it is. And it's a man uh, and a woman created a co in co beautifully complementary ways so that they form one flesh. And to try to do it another way is a distortion. It's a corruption. It's no, it's not because it works. It it actually works. I this. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get gross. This is this might get gross. Um, you know, tuck your kids uh, in bed, 
Why are you listening to this with your kids? Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah, this is on, to it on the school run yeah. for a family show. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I do not check that box on YouTube ever. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, you can say that a penis and a vagina fit together nicely. By the way, not all penises fit in all vaginas uh, very well. So th even that's not a terribly good argument. Not and all then, bananas fit in all hands perfectly. I, you know what, <laughs> sir? <laughs> you and Ray Comfort, you can have that conversation. Um, <laughs> I should link to that video. It's so it's so hilarious. Um, the, the the banana apologetic folks, uh, just look it up. Um, so, uh, women, in fact, not all women are you know very good receptacles for you know sexual contact anyway because uh, you know by their nature they're too dry you know they can't it it's uh painful it's uncomfortable and they don't naturally produce the uh, the the lubricant that other women do and you know you can do what you can to stimulate and it you know they they don't produce so this is this is a thing um that is normal in our species such that not all vaginas are receptive to penises uh so to say that it just you know it fits like a glove is not true but you know they they like to use this argument you know it's natural it naturally works that way and it, and it doesn't oftentimes you have to go to synthetic measures to make it work that way the thing is some fit like oj simpson's glove okay <laughs> you are you are you're you're all the way on tonight uh sir that's <laughs> not bad children today's show was brought to you with the number two and the letters k and y mm, yeah okay so uh here's the thing if you turn that woman or man around Sometimes that connection fits better, right? But it doesn't matter. Um, it still fits. Penises fit in rectums. Rectums stretch. They they stretch. They they take on the shape of the thing that's in there. They they stretch. There are pleasure nerves in that area. Um, just ask all the men who got way too excited when they had their prostate examined. Um, there are, <laughs> there are, um, what I'm trying to say is it's, it is just as natural and we fit just as well that way as we do the other way. And this argument that somehow it's against nature and it doesn't even fit. It is not even made that way. It just doesn't make any sense uh, because it does fit. We are made that way. And millions upon millions of people can attest to the fact. That is why when men sometimes are doing the sit down, 
they take quite a long time because they don't want it to be over too quickly. Just gonna just gonna hit that button. Where is the you dysfunction is the of the way God made it? Listen to this. First Corinthians six nine. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived by the propaganda, by the media, by the films, the television programs, everything you're exposed to. Educators, do not be deceived. Wait a minute. Educators. <laughs> don't, don't you dare be deceived by educators. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, this is why there's so many homeschool Christians. <laughs> Neither fornicators, that's people who engage in heterosexual sin, nor idolaters, and uh, sexual sin and idolatry always historically have been connected. Really? I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop so much. Really? Sexual sin and idolatry have been historically connected? Somebody in the comments. Please point me to a link. <laughs> nor adulterers, that's people who have relationships with other than their spouse, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus is a member of the Godhead. You see, we believe in the one God who has existed eternally in three persons the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate Jesus from the Father and the Spirit on the issue of homosexuality. Jesus was there in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was raining down fire and brimstone. Jesus is the author of Leviticus. So you can't say that Jesus never addressed the issue of homosexuality unless you're going to argue that Jesus has a different opinion on the issue than the Father and the Spirit. This is hugely problematic because that would mean a breach in the Trinity and the whole universe would cave in on itself. This much is clear. Okay, can we start? <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go to one little bit. Okay. So this is the first time we've had really categorically said about the Old Testament rules about homosexuality. We've got the infamous package sent verse in Leviticus where men with men equals stoning. Mm -hmm. Not the good kind. So Jesus was there. Jesus wrote that down. Jesus affirms that. Mm -hmm. So that means that verse carries into New Testament territory. Mm -hmm. Would that man sanction stoning of homosexuals? I dare not say. I, because I don't... Uh, let me give you uh, guys a little bit of insight into how much of a fundy right-wing nut job I was. I would have said, yes, homosexuals should be put to death today. Yeah. Wow. I, that's, that's, that's exactly what I would I have said. I'd have stopped there, but I don't know how I'd, how I'd have justified it. Yeah, I mean, because obviously God didn't want that kind of person to live. And so you can say, well, you know, some of the laws have changed or are no longer effect, uh, in effect today uh, because of the new covenant. But what you can't say is that God 
has fundamentally changed in terms of morality and what he likes and what he doesn't like. And what God hated was homosexuality. And what he thought about homosexuality was that people who practiced it should be put to death. Therefore, we shouldn't think that that is such a bad idea today. I mean, we should at least stop and have a conversation about it. If God thought that was a good punishment, then when did it stop being a good punishment? When did God change his mind and say, nah, don't kill him? Now, I see the obvious, I'm going to waste time here, but the obvious answer is Jesus on the cross. That's where they're going to go. How does that, how does that change God's attitude because about homosexuals? Because died and sacrificed everything for, so that we don't need to stone them anymore. Really? <laughs> I don't understand Jesus that. lost everything for it. Everything forever. He didn't get any of it back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And exactly how does that have any bearing on stoning homosexuals? <laughs> so I don't you see that connection has never been made for me. All I can say is that in generic terms and specific terms, there was a time when God thought that uh that is the kind of person who should not live. And since Jesus was a part of the decision that those were the kinds of people who should not live, when he died on the cross, he should have made it very specific that there were some things that he was changing his mind about. And he did not. So I'm not entirely sure why we do. The, uh, one, one other thought here that is not worthy, but we're here. The only reason that Jews stopped stoning people for these religious crimes is not because Jesus said they should stop because he didn't. It's because the Romans made it illegal for Jews to put people to death. That part of the law was a part that they could no longer practice. That's the only reason they stopped. That's it. Christians and churches must continue to stand on the word of God. And just because a bunch of legislatures might decide that something is a marriage, the Bible has never authorized them to say that. And it's not a marriage. There's a growing number of vocal bishops who want to change the, the church's teaching on marriage. The results being the spiritual neglect of Anglicans up and down this country. Well, we are up against the authorities three bishops from the established church. That means either I am wrong, and Christians have been teaching incorrectly for the last 2,000 years, or and Jews and Christians for the last four to 6,000 years, or we have church leaders attempting to drag the church into apostasy. We exist as a church. Yeah, because it, God forbid that he be wrong. What kind yeah, of argument but... is that? <laughs> Now, there's some context here. The, the UK Anglican Church right now at this moment, as in 2023, the first quarter, is having serious internal conversations about homosexual bishops being appointed to top-level positions within the church. Mm. And it is quite genuinely splitting the church 
we've got people saying things like that guy you've just heard and we've got some people who are celebrating it and are really pleased that fully quality well maybe i should be careful of the word full there but that equity is being achieved mm. amongst all individuals okay we're not really there but it's it's a it's a closer step and we're hearing language like what that guy's saying as soon as you let the gays in to be doing it you are ruining it and spoiling it for everybody else let me be absolutely blunt the fact that there is a gay household not very far away from me in this street that I live does not have any effect whatsoever on the quality of my heterosexual marriage. It doesn't impact it. It does. You just it, don't realize it. You you poor thing. Bless your heart. You. It Bless your heart. <laughs> if, if you choose to be offended by what other people get up to in their own relationship, which is not your relationship, then you're not spending enough time thinking about your relationship. Hey, hey Matt, it's not me. It's God. To proclaim the kingdom of God. Is that true? We have been given the keys to the kingdom of God. Jesus declared that to his apostles. Now, wait a minute. So, so uh, he tells Peter, uh, you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And then it's declared to the apostles. Okay, let's give him that. I don't know that I do. But then he stretches that to we uh, today. We preachers uh all individuals have the keys to the kingdom of god um the bible is elastic in these people's hands as rectums i give you the keys to the kingdom of god our responsibility is to tell people about the kingdom of god and who can be in the kingdom of god and who is excluded from the kingdom of god that's the what <laughs> sorry okay no never mind just ministry of the church that's what we do that's what every preacher must do and i'm not the one who makes the terms i am only the one responsible to god to proclaim what god has revealed and i'm here to tell you that if you advocate a life of sexual sin adultery fornication effeminateness or homosexuality you will not inherit the kingdom of god what that means is you're on your way to hell atheists often parrot the words god is love and we've heard that one tonight too again without any understanding yes god is love but he sets the terms not us agape the biblical context of love is a divine love it's a sacrificial love it's not lustful jesus says well the, the first and greatest commandment is love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind by the way that's a summary of commandments one through four and then he goes and the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a summary of commandments five through 10. So here's how it goes. Jesus, what's the greatest of the 10 commandments? His response, I'm gonna have to say one through four, followed closely by five through 10. I, you, you tell me how you're going to love someone while committing adultery against them. How are you gonna love someone while murdering them? How are you gonna love someone while, how are you gonna love? No, there's no war between love and law. Paul makes it very clear. In Romans chapter 13, love fulfills the law because it does no wrong to a neighbor. First Timothy 1, 9, the law of God is made to expose the lawless, rebellious, ungodly, sinners, unholy, profane, killers of their parents, murderers, immoral men, and homosexuals. That's not a nice group to belong to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What's 
What's special about killing your parents? I don't know. It's, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't help but uh, chuckle at this because it's, it's an observation that I've made about these various lists in the Bible, these, these lists of evil people. And uh, I've, I've had to ask myself on more than one occasion, how did homosexuality get in that list? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love the effeminate one. Effeminates? <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's going to come back to effeminacy. <laughs> oh, People will often argue in this debate, we know more about homosexuality now than we did then. Maybe so. But are we really going to suggest that God knew less then than we know now? Yes. For either all of scripture is God-breathed, or it isn't. Isn't? Either we believe Christ, or we don't. Don't. So by the way, homosexuality has been around since the, since the start. I mean, Genesis 19, a whole city of people in this sin that, that God incinerated, and I'll get to that in a minute. So this has been around a long time, so there's plenty of words to deal with this uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word homosexual is arsenokoites. Koites is the word for bed. Arsenal is a, a term for man, going to bed with a man. That's what it means. It means going to bed with a man. Take the word effeminate there. That's the word malakos, malakos in the Greek. And it's a technical word for a passive partner in a homosexual relationship. Effeminate doesn't mean that you walk funny. It means you're the passive partner in a homosexual relationship. People who do that. <laughs> the one who goes on the bottom. <laughs> you know what? Um, having seen, uh, some gay porn, uh, in preparation for this video, uh, the passive partner is Don't not necessarily, it. it's the next video. Uh, the, <laughs> the passive partner is not necessarily the one on the bottom in the same way, uh, that a sub dumb relationship, uh, you might have a false notion of how those relationships work you might think the dumb is the um the uh, uh the or the sub is the passive partner to the dumb that is almost never true the sub actually is the one in the relationship with the power and and they are the one with the safe word they are the one that invites that relationship they're the one that can end that relationship uh so you can look at various sex acts and you can say some acts are inherently submissive and some acts are inherently dominant you are wrong sex acts are not submissive or dominant people can be submissive and dominant and in the sexual world the dominant partner is not always the one who's, shall we say, on top. That don't inherit the kingdom of God. They do not. And even at some of these homosexual unions, they read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because it's the love chapter. And I'm sure someone in this chamber has echoed the words, love is love tonight. And this is not about love being love. This is about marriage, the sacrament of holy matrimony. It is directly connected to love, but it's not the definition of love. Too many people utter those words and confuse the meaning of love. Beginning at verse 4, love is patient, kind, 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love, biblical love, must never encompass homosexuality because homosexuality is by definition wrongdoing. Therefore, rejoicing in homosexuality is not love. Well, you know, it's being taught in public schools from the time children arrive there and through every form of media. Sinners coming together around a certain sin and demanding to have rights. I wonder why the murderers don't do that. And the drug dealers and the thieves and the rapists. When I hear the Bishop of London on record saying these new... So once again, there's, there's this grouping of homosexuality with murderers, thieves, rapists. Uh, if it had gone on, pedophiles would have showed up. Um, yeah. This is the association that they want to make with homosexuality. Uh, th this is, this is a, a type of very damaging propaganda. And uh, it's important to, to point that out. Yeah, yeah so if you make these psychological links often enough and regularly enough, it will start to seep through and the word becomes poisoned by association. It's right. an active tactic to demonize a set of people. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure which is more demonized, homosexuality or atheist. Prayers will mean priests can bless same-sex relationships, some of which may be sexual in nature. I hear the devil at work. Bishops are promoting the idea of sacramental sodomy. Let them be anathema. Repent. How perverse. Okay. Points to the guy with the big hair who coins the term sacramental sodomy. First, is it that the major denominations, so called Christian denominations in our country, affirm homosexuality, ordain homosexuals, ordain lesbians, marry men to men and women to women, even the Quakers? And I quote, say, homosexuality is no more deplorable than left-handedness. The Metropolitan Community Church and, and the people who advocate this teach that homosexuality is a gift from God. That Jesus was not hostile to lesbians and homosexuals. David and Jonathan were homosexuals. Ruth and Naomi were lesbians. Sodom was destroyed for a lack of hospitality. The Episcopalians have led the parade with a well-known uh, bishop for the whole of the United States of America who is a sodomite. A local Methodist church not far from here, the pastor says, a homosexual is welcome in this congregation and will have all the rights and privileges. That's hate speech. If you love that man, you'll confront his sin and tell him about the gospel so his soul can be saved. As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. The trap that we're falling into in this debate is looking at the church through the eyes of the world rather than through his kingdom. Paul's world wasn't any different than ours. And he confronted it as sin because that's the only hope the homosexual has to see the sin for what it is and to find grace in Christ. And the Bible is very clear that no homosexual and no effeminate will enter the kingdom of heaven or be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so it would be a call to repentance, um, to repent of your sin and to turn away from it and to embrace the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have members of our churches who struggle with same-sex attraction, just like we have members in our churches who struggle with every other kind of, uh, of sinful desire. And, and certainly we should, we should love and reach out and, and embrace those who are repenting. Uh, I disciple a couple of brothers who struggle with that particular desire themselves, and, and they're good, God-honoring.
brothers in Christ because they're repenting of their sins and, and putting their trust in Christ. It is preposterous to call them hey, gay. Hey, just pause. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's that, that last little bit, there's a bothersome bit about that, about mm -hmm. getting people out and uh, confess, confessing this. I always had an issue with this whole confessing your, your sin to to the pastor and all that. But I want to rewind a bit more to some of the themes that have been going on in, in those mm -hmm. last um, bits about <clears throat> speaking love and it sounding like hate on that. So let's... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's just paint a snow. Let's, I don't believe this, okay, just in case anyone gets overexcited and tries to take me out of context. This is not my belief, but let's just take it, for example, that we accept the proposition that homosexuality is an anathema, is a behaviour that we want to discourage, uh, is, and we, we generally agree that uh, it's, it needs to be removed from society because there are the wrong to say to it. I don't believe that, but let's just take that as as a position. What's the best way to achieve that? To ostracize and belittle those people, to call them out, and to in all of our language to describe that as a horrible, perverse act, and to keep associating it with paedophilia and uh, drug taking, etc. As soon as you start talking like that. You drive the behavior underground. You drive it to be hidden. You are discouraging people from being honest about it. If you welcome those people into your midst and talk freely, etc., etc., then you create a scenario where they become more comfortable being honest about it. And if then you want to have that whole conversation about, you know, do you really think you should be behaving that way? Then you can encourage them it's the same way like with encouragement for for people i i know a family who have got a family member who's an alcoholic and is really struggling with alcoholism they don't help him by rejecting him they don't help him by calling um i'm going to say calling out that's not what i mean by completely ostracizing the behavior and by demonizing his behavior and by calling him a horrible person they don't help him by behaving that way, because all that does is de-incentivizes him from spending time with them. And so they ruin the relationship by doing that. What they do is they're loving towards this family member. They're welcoming of that family member into home. They try to be as normal as they can, but they have boundaries around behavior just so that they don't try to facilitate it. But they do that so that that family member feels comfortable with them and can talk openly with them and the behavior can be corrected, etc. I hope that made sense. Yeah, I um you know what I what I want to do is give a piece of advice that I haven't gone over in my own head uh enough but I will say out loud anyway. Uh Christians stop repenting for addictive behavior. Um addictions are chemical, biological, and yes, also psychological. <clears throat> all, all of this is true with addiction, but it is, if it's a true addiction, uh, a chemical or biological addiction, you're not going to fight it by force of will. You're not no. going to, your, your strong psychology is not going to defeat your strong biology. Okay. No. And 
I would also add that your psychology is part of your biology. Um, but this, this idea that you, you are stuck in a place that you cannot, for the life of you, change, and you are putting all of this Herculean effort to change, and you just keep repenting every day, every week, every, you know, all the time of your sin, it makes it seem, even from a Christian perspective, like you think that you're the one who can fix it, that you're the one who's doing the work, the work um, in this faith-grace relationship that you have with God. But it seems to me that if this is something that is a part of your biology and you have prayed one time sincerely for God to uh, remove it, uh, the obstacle, it's up to God to remove that obstacle. And if he chooses not to, then you just have to live with your addiction. Um, and stop apologizing. Stop apologizing for it. You've apologized, you've prayed for help, and you can wait for God to give it to you. And he'll give it to you or he won't give it to you, but you're not going to fix it from your knees. Uh, and you can't even be sure that it's something that you should be fixing if God himself hasn't come in to, to um, take it away from you. So I just, I feel, I feel sorry, uh, genuinely uh, sad for Christians who have addictions that they can't break. I, I know, uh, I, I could probably name 10 people off the top of my head who are uh, sincere Christians who have drug addictions. Uh, and they will have drug addictions for the rest of their life. They've been on their knees their entire life. They've been in and out of rehab programs all of their life, and they will continue to do so. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't want to not do drugs, but maybe you should have a healthier relationship toward uh, your body's reality and find ways to, uh, to tame your addictions without having this self-denying, self-hating, um, magical thinking uh, relationship to your addiction, because that's never going to work. So get off your knees and stop apologizing and start finding actual uh, solutions or mitigations or ways that you can live with how you are obviously made. Yeah, uh, I'd like to just bullet point that if you're somebody who is same sex attracted and you're at a church and you've spent years, maybe even decades, praying for this to be removed and trying to get it removed and it's not gone, then I want to suggest that you are very, very close, if you're not already there, to having a mental health problem and it is not your sexuality. Absolutely. Sexual is clinical, sodomite is biblical, but sinner is theological. The gay person doesn't have to just repent of being gay and then that will be all that's necessary, as if this is the only sin that matters in the eyes of God. I mean, our, our message needs to be the person who doesn't know Christ as Savior is alienated in every part of life from God. 
and the whole life is sinful, not just one part of the life. And to be sure, there has to be repentance for every part of the life that's alienated from God. Church is made up of people who uh, were like this. Please notice, here's the good news, verse 11, such were some of you. That's right, this is the church in Corinth. And what is the church made up? Of all righteous people who've been righteous since they were born? No, there aren't any. All sinners. The church is a collection of former fornicators, former idolaters, former adulterers, former effeminates, former thieves, former coveters, former extortioners, and former homosexuals. Such were some of you. That statement alone indicates this is not some genetic defect. You were this way, you aren't anymore. This is maybe the most dangerously poisonous uh, clip that we've yeah. heard all day. And, and it should be taken with uh, a great deal of sobriety. Um, first of all, uh, I th I think his understanding of the church at Corinth is just wrong on the facts, uh, on the theology. And I would love to dive into that more as a theological uh, wonk, but this may not be the uh, place for that. He's simply wrong on the biological fact that because the Bible says that these people were this and now they're not that. That means that it's not actually biological, it's a spiritual problem, and you can fix it. Okay. So that is creating a whole category of mental health for Christians who want this to be true, who believe this is true, and are killing themselves to make it true. And yet they're biology keeps getting in the way. And this, I think, is the gateway to suicidal ideation. And I think that this is where a lot of it comes from, because they, they feel this dysphoria where they, they know that they are a certain way, but they've got the preachers in the Bible telling them, no, you're not, you're this other way. And all you got to do is pray your way uh, and love God your way out of it and they are trying, and they can't. And there's no way forward in this world. It is better for them to die, uh, this is what goes in their, on in their head, than to continue to be an abomination to God. And two preachers who preach this message, God damn you, I wish there was a hell for you to burn in. The church is open to sinners, of course it is. That's the purpose of the church but it should not be to encourage people to continue to sin. Our duty as clerics is to help lead people to Christ, to lead them away from sin, not to embrace it, not to affirm it. Christ spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is they who went away changed, not Christ. People who want to talk about why do people have this tendency and that, simple, wretched heart, debased heart, evil heart. It's not because you're lonely, it's not because you need new friends, it's not because you're feeling insecure, it's not because you were rejected as a child, it's not because, no, it's you have sinned and you're living in sin and it is, it, it is a gross and despicable sin in the eyes of... 
All right. I'm I'm actually going to stop here. Um I cannot allow this to go on. So, um Yeah, I uh I wanted to play this because I thought it might be useful to hear kind of this back to back to back um proclamation of uh the fundamentalist and i i actually think um in some cases mainstream uh christian this is how they think this is how they talk um this is this is what they say and for something like homosexuality they honestly believe no matter no matter what they're saying when they they're talking to you i know that someone will hit me for that i deserve it um because what i'm doing is calling them insincere i think they are and i'll just have to repent of that later but um they believe that your biological sexual desires are merely a matter of what's in your soul, what, whatever your soul is, that it is a spiritual malaise, whatever spiritual is, and that you have the keys to unlock it and get rid of it if you only would. And so the only reason you remain same-sex attracted is because you want to do evil and that you were in rebellion to God. And because you want to do evil and be in rebellion uh, against God, you deserve to and will go to hell. I do not know a better definition of hate speech. A clearer example of hate speech I have never seen or imagined. Uh, I have one other thing that I want to say about this, and it'll take one minute exactly. But before I do that, Matt, let me... Um, let me give you a chance to. Yeah, I want to, if there is anybody who's made this far into this video who is inclined to be, uh, to, to think that uh, homosexuality and the rest of the LGBT plus rainbow is uh, subnormal or, or less than perfect or have got other motivations, just consider this. If you're cis-hetero like myself, like the good-looking uh, dude on the screen, opposite me what to think about your motivations our motivations for for having a, a sexual partner and it's attractiveness it's someone we enjoy time with it's someone we enjoy good conversation with it's companionship and it's a bit of intimacy and generally all the time that we spend together whether it's eating whether it's not eating whether it's sleeping whether it's playing games or watching it sports on television or drama or whatever it's simply good company simply companionship 
with somebody who we appreciate, who we share some interest with, and we also enjoy some intimacy with. Homosexual people are just after the same thing. They have the same base human desires. Okay. They're just having themselves, they just find themselves being attracted to people that you're not attracted to. So what? Give them some grace. Let them have that same intimate to see, both sexual and otherwise, of human companionship that you allow yourself to have. Where is the benefit in denying that? of other people forget about the but it's god's rules thing because you're just coming across as a dick again just think it through their motivations are just the same as your motivations this is not an act of rebellion like some people are want to frame it is not an act of willful sin it is not that kind of thing they just want to be loved let them so many things uh at this stage in the um show uh are inappropriate that come to mind and so i will just leave them on the cutting room floor i will my butt comes gone okay <laughs> okay sorry i'm not gonna leave it on the cutting room floor um, <laughs> good man in the, in the discussions on the board um one uh commenter uh a Christian commenter uh, suggested uh, that you know they knew a person who was homosexual when when asked you know what what possible harm is this and the the response was something to the effect that you know that person uh, has very uh, loose stools now and can't control their their output uh anymore but come to which i say are you shitting me <laughs> do you do you really think that anyone is going to buy that as as some kind of concern for uh, some some kind of reason to condemn homosexuality when um, the poundings mash it all up together and bunch up together so it become more solidified and firmed rather than soft and sloppy. So this is not a part of my one minute. I'm going <laughs> to okay. claim my, I'm going to claim my one minute, <laughs> but I do have to ask since this is not for the kids. Um, as, as a Christian, even you can put your Christian head on if you want to. Uh, is anal sex wrong? With heterosexual anal sex, because in the video, you know, someone mentioned sodomite. Um, well, okay, but the largest number of sodomites are heterosexuals. Um, so Is they called the loophole. There's a video you need to link to. Yeah, no, I I know it, I know it. Uh, folks, look in the show notes, and you will not find that link. Um, <laughs> so nah, maybe someone will put so, it in the comments. They oh, they, oh, they about. will, they will. Uh, Ty Tyler has already <laughs> found the link, uh, and so rather than any serious conversation about this, there will be thirty posts 
on the loophole. Uh, but I've semi-serious question. Um, As a Christian, that was a hard no from me. I'm sorry, a no which way? No, you can't do it, or no, yeah, it's not no, wrong? Been, yeah. no, okay, so yeah, I was no, always don't. taught that every, um, everything that a man and a woman could do sexually was okay. Um, so, for instance, if you can't do anal sex, why can you do oral sex? Is, is oral sex wrong? Yeah, um, yeah, no, no, it's no. Not. Okay, so no. I don't, I don't understand um, the, um, you know, this this thing about well, men are doing are doing this disgraceful kind of sex because it's the same sex that heterosexuals do. It, once again, in far greater numbers than homosexuals, because there are far greater numbers of heterosexuals. Uh, and having done uh, my porn research in advance, uh, far more <laughs> heterosexuals uh, than homosexuals. I just don't, I don't understand the argument that somehow it's a particularly bad thing in and of itself when men do it. Yep but not when a man and a woman does it. And so, um, yeah, loophole or not. Uh, so here's, here's my, go ahead. I I was just going to get quite personal and graphic actually. And personally, I'm not actually a fan, not even tried it. And I'm not really enthusiastic about trying it, but you can can find a small enough strap strap on. But I have had this conversation with other people and spoken to a to a girl who was way more than a fan. Absolutely loved it and her partner did too and good on them. They had a good time. I don't know the idea of it, frankly, I'm just not enthusiastic about. Maybe that's my Christian background, maybe I'd have a different attitude if I'd never been a Christian. So what? I don't feel like I'm missing out. Well, for the record, you are. Um, so anyway, um, but I'll, <laughs> never I'll mind. stick to this. Thank you. <laughs> never mind. Or, or is it this one? That's what no, I've learned no, in, no, in my it, research. No, it's, it's empty. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. have a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what you were saying? I have 60 seconds of closing statement. Yeah. <laughs> And on, 50, see if you can 50, come in 60 seconds. 50 of them are in this video. This is going to be painful for some to watch. And frankly, for those who it would be painful to watch, they're not watching anyway. He doesn't love you. Uh, but this is, this is my closing statement. A big, um, and it's in reference to the idea that the rainbow flag is sinful.
I believe it was the state of uh, Wisconsin uh, in this particular video. Uh, they raised the rainbow flag, United States flag, state flag, and then the rainbow flag uh, underneath that. Was that a sin? I sure as hell hope so. Bye-bye. All right, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, so I don't know why you weren't able to see that, but um, it... Yeah. yeah, no, this is, um, so I, I appreciate that. I think that, I think this is a subject that needs to be dealt with, uh, in equal parts, trivially and seriously. And this, this is what you're, uh, so good at. Um, the, the Christian's uh, the way they approach this subject, they need to be trivialized. Uh, I, I'm a, yeah, I am, I am a firm believer in ridiculing the ridiculous, and uh, you, it requires hard ridicule. Uh, and so, um, it, but at the same time, we have to remember that it's not just Christians. And their twisted idea of hate speech, love speech, they're real people living lives uh, who are suffering not from homosexuality, but from the Christian concept of homosexuality. That causes a lot of suffering. My uh, oldest brother is gay. He's been gay since probably he was a kid. Um, he has tried and failed at marriage once or twice. Didn't take. Um, so, uh, you know, I know, I know it pretty well. Uh, we didn't talk about bisexuality or trans. Uh, and those are things that I, uh, I think that I would like to talk about at a, uh, a future time because those are pretty important too. The, the only, it's not that we have exhausted the set by saying straight or gay. Um, that that doesn't exhaust the set. It humanity is way more complicated than that. And the thing is, humanity has always been way more complicated than that. This is not new. The thing that's new is that we're having open and public dialogue about it. But it's always been there. It's always been a part of our uh, biology. And so part of those biological facts um, that seem to be biological facts is that women tend to be more bi, way more bi than men. Uh, in fact, uh, I uh, have heard one biologist say, although I don't know that I credit it, that all women are by or so close to it that it's it it um you know it's you just will say all women are by um 
and there, I know that not all women uh, will acknowledge it, and not all women are, but women seem to be way more sexually fluid. Uh, you know, more, more of them can go both ways. More of them have no problem admitting to that college experience that they had way back in the day. Uh, And furthermore, men love lesbian porn. Uh, I don't, I don't know a single guy who would divorce their wife because their wife had an affair with another woman. (laughs) They would would say, yes. (laughs) So uh, if they found out they would just, they would know they would, they would, they would put in the hidden camera. So, um, and the numbers of men that are same sex have, I, I believe, and science believes have always been underestimated because they're voluntary numbers. So basically what we have is five to 10% of the population admitting to being gay. (laughs) Imagine how much more of the population aren't admitting it. And it's, so much more of a taboo for men than women, which is probably why women can admit it more. There are plenty of men. I've known plenty of uh, men and boys, for that matter, who were attracted both ways. They either either way. Um, I think we call them metrosexuals today. Uh, but when I was growing up, they were just bi. Uh, so they actually could choose. Uh, you know, in the same way that you were saying, you can't just choose to be attracted to a male. Well, in the same way, a bi can't just choose to be attracted to a gorilla, but they can choose to be attracted to a male or a woman. I mean, they, they, they have, uh, you know, they're hemorphrodites. Who are they attracted to? I guess it depends on the individual. Biology is so much more vast than the conversation of homosexuality is sin. So I just, I have to remember every time I do this topic that there, there are real people who are affected by this and they listen and they do care. And these types of shows that live on the internet do matter. And I, I really appreciate you bringing uh, your particular and unique sensibilities to a topic like this. I I can't think of anyone else in the four that I would have wanted to have this discussion with. Yeah. Yeah. Clint would not have been nearly as fun. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) I mean, you Brits, you Brits used to, um, didn't you used to put homosexuals to death? Uh, uh, wasn't wasn't that one of the places where homosexuality uh, used to be a death penalty offense? Yeah, I uh, I have to. Yeah, yeah. I um I did a, a research project on um, homosexuality uh, around the world over time, and one of 
one of the parts of the piece was looking at countries where homosexuality, homosexuality was a death penalty offense, how long ago uh, it's been, uh, you know, in countries where it's still uh, a capital offense uh, today. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I do, even though I, I, I'm very frivolous about this, I do, uh, there's a kernel of seriousness in all of this. So, um, all right, look, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate, I appreciate how late it is there. And, um, yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and click off because I don't exactly know where the button is. There should be a big red button on your, on your screen somewhere. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm all done. Not if you don't want to. You can pour the cereal though. I'll be on in a bit. 